Welcome to Gospel Central, where we help ministry-minded Christians to think through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We're here to discuss today how this gospel is the very heart of the Christian faith and how it empowers all of ministry and life. We are your hosts. I'm Simon. And I'm Ad. And we're glad to have you listening in as we consider all kinds of practical and theological topics through the lens of the gospel. So welcome, Ed. Well, I'm glad to be here. Today, we are going to be discussing the language that we use to describe and apply gospel centrality in our ministries. Yes. So we want to talk about this because gospel language has proliferated in recent years. And it's quite possible that all kinds of gospel buzzwords get used, gospel this and gospel that. And in one sense, we may say that's a great thing. However, there could be unintended consequences where throwing around jargon like this actually ends up hindering uh, gospel clarity and gospel understanding. So that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, and I noticed that in our introduction where we said about three sentences and in every single sentence, we had the word gospel in it. Well, that's because this is gospel central. Of course we would. Um, But I guess what we want to try and uh, make sure is that we aren't using this in a way where we assume everyone understands exactly what we mean, Mm -hmm. but actually there isn't much clarity. And as a result, um, there's not much light really being shone in people's hearts. We want to make our ministry as effective as possible. So why don't we begin by just reminding our listeners exactly what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to maybe give us a, a quick overview? Let, let's take a step. I probably will change my definition every single episode. Um, but the gospel is really about um, what Jesus has done for us, historically speaking, in his life, death, and resurrection. And um, sometimes it does include some of the immediate entailments, like how do you respond to that, uh, what he has done for us. Yeah, so that would be the gospel. Great. So how Jesus come to save us from our sins by dying on the cross. I'm in our place and rising again. Mm-hmm. And this is good news. This is what he has mm-hmm. done. So it's not about what we do to save ourselves, but we, what he's done. And as you mentioned, there is a response required, repentance and faith. But mm-hmm. the gospel, strictly speaking, is what he's done. Right. So I guess in our day and age, um, the word gospel can get thrown around or used as a buzzword. Mm-hmm. Gospel this, gospel that, gospel parenting, gospel um, songs, discipleship. Gospel discipleship. Yep. I mean, you put a gospel as a prefix on form. I mean, there was a time that if you put a gospel as a prefix on anything, um, it's guaranteed to sell. <laughs> okay, so it's guaranteed to sell. Or it kind of um, gives it some kind of legitimacy or like, you know, cred. Like, oh, this is legit. This is like really biblical and um, really sound because this is like not just any discipleship. This is gospel discipleship. Is that yes. the kind of thing, thing that we're talking about? It's a little bit like that, and I suspect that our naming of this podcast has something to do with this. <laughs> it may well have something to do with that as well. So let's maybe think uh, a little bit about how some of our church members may be t- uh, inclined to understand the word gospel in a way that is distinct from the definition that we gave earlier. Have you heard you know, people in church just talking about gospel, but actually hearing that word as something distinct from Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection um, as a substitute in our place. Very much so, right? I mean, um, some I remember uh, someone having I had over for dinner, and I, when I was talking gospel, and halfway through, I realized that what he meant was actually referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay, um, the, 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 those books of the New Testament, and not um, talking about the specific events of uh, in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, other times, I think 
very much is it maybe used as a euphemism almost for God's kind of love that's not defined, or even in some kind of cliches where you know like it's okay not to be okay. It's it's you know, for example, and that and that it tends to be reduced to uh, those kind of sentiments. Right. I've heard people <clears throat> even just refer to Christianity as the gospel, or mm. even maybe Christian principles, um, mm. or even the Bible. As the whole, as no, the heard some people refer yeah. to people, yeah, people refer to the Bible as the gospel itself. So we don't want to be overly technical about it, but the reality is um, we do want to be clear about what the gospel is because mm-hmm. we're specifically referring to what Jesus has done mm-hmm. um, for us. So mm-hmm. w- perhaps we could talk a little bit about what some of uh, the dangers of overusing and under-explaining mm-hmm. the word gospel are, because I guess. Mm-hmm. Dangers do arise when we end up <clears throat> overusing and under-explaining it. So we just use gospel right. all the time and we assume people know what we mean. Mm-hmm. And we assume, particularly as pastors or, or those in ministry, that other people are as clear in their minds as we are in ours when we use the word gospel. And I mm-hmm. guess the danger with that is we can uh, we run the risk of inadvertently hindering the church's mm-hmm. growth in the gospel due to lack of clarity. And that's when it becomes a buzzword. So let's maybe think about some of the dangers of overusing and under-explaining. Uh, maybe I can just start with one. I think, as we've actually alluded to already, there's some amongst us who just plainly don't understand what the word means at all. Mm-hmm. And so when they come to church and they hear this jargon um, and they hear it used all over the service without explanation, that could be alienating or even confusing, right? Even some newer Christians mm-hmm. or Christians who've never paused to think about the word or what it really means to, to their faith. So we could just be referring in our prayers, pastoral prayers, confessions, right. Scripture reading sermons all the time to the gospel as the shorthand, but actually people may not be clear what exactly does that mean. So that's one possible way. I think so. And uh, what you said about how um, it's unhelpful to use it when you don't explain it to people. And um, But I think that another aspect would be that people come to this with preconceived ideas uh, and their preconceived ideas may be different, um, deviating more from the uh, original meaning than some others, for example. So when we actually overuse and unexplain this word, uh, what happens really is that people just don't actually receive words as themselves. They actually, f- it's almost like a vacuum. They actually fill it with a meaning. They actually themselves actually impute to this word. So it actually really run run the risk, right? I mean, uh, for example, people might just mean it's something just for non Christians, for example, just something that's about evangelism. Yeah. Right. Um, and as mentioned just now, it can just be referring to some um, holy um, requirements, standard of living, that living that the Bible wanted, want, wants to teach us. And so you are actually not really thinking about the gospel, but thinking about what in, what are the entailments of the gospel, for example, what okay. it means to follow Jesus instead of the gospel itself. And so um, that is actually really a problem because then people and once people associate the word gospel with those uh, preconceived ideas they have in their minds, it's all, often take a lot of work to actually dissociate them. That's really true, right? <clears throat> so that becomes very dangerous when people are listening mm-hmm. and we all assume you're on the same page, but people are receiving that actually mm-hmm. instead of the good news mm-hmm. of what Jesus has done, actually they mm-hmm. forget about all the implications of what they have to do. So mm-hmm. inadvertently, if you think you're talking about God's grace, mm-hmm. but it's actually being received as pressure or works or law. Right. Okay. Um, I think another danger when we overuse and under explain the gospel is that we end up obscuring the richness of the gospel. Mm. So 
if we mm. think about the gospel, the gospel mm. encompasses so many different facets, right? Mm. And every different facet speaks to different aspects of our faith. It's the good news of Jesus' death, mm. the resurrection, the ascension, the coming mm. of Christ. And it's the answer to addressing our fallen condition. It's an right. invitation to trust in the perfect mm. life of Jesus. It gives us like a new sense of identity. <clears throat> it em- leads us to empower, to rely on the empowerment and encouragement of, of the spirit. Mm-hmm. I think what I, we alluded to in one of our previous episodes was how in the early days of RHC, whenever I talk about um, gospel, I would always kind of talk about justification <laughs> <Yes>. alone <laughs> and use one or two examples. Mm-hmm. And that is a central and crucial part of the gospel, of course, but it is one of a couple of different facets or aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And when we only default toward one or two and we we are overusing and under-explaining, we mm-hmm. aren't helping people understand how the different facets apply to different areas of people's lives. So I'm not sure if you've, um, uh, I think you have actually read David Pallinson's book, right. How Sanctification Happens, mm-hmm. um, or how, how Does Sanctification Work, rather. And he explains <coughs> this really well. I've got an excerpt here that, that I want to read. Mm-hmm. He says, the cross reveals the character of God. It provides mercy, comfort, and joy in what it accomplishes. Reminds us that darkness and death are defeated. It speaks to us about how Jesus sympathetically enters into suffering, not by only identifying, but participating, giving us encouragement in the friendship of Christ, and so on. Pardonson says, if what you need to know right now, because you're struggling, is, is God saying, I'm right here with you right now. I'm your refuge in this affliction. Then you may actually go away hungry if you're simply told, I died for your sins once and for all. Right. You may end up beating yourself up mm. for your lack of faith, or you may go cold to God because mm. a message that claimed it would help you doesn't seem to touch your mm. need for help. And Pallinson says, in the long run, a single truth that is harped on will disappoint <laughs> even its devotees. Mm. In another season of life, facing another different struggle, they, te- they too will need the other kinds of help. And watch one sizzle becomes boring, a repetitive pat answer that no longer delivers. And, you know, Pallinson goes on to show us how right. what's so amazing about Jesus is how in his ministry, um, he demonstrates, he ministers in such diverse and uh, specific and concrete ways, mm. right? He doesn't just have one um, catchphrase, mm. one summary that he just throws at everyone, no matter what their problem is. He, he's applying God's grace in such unique ways to all of their lives. He's never abstract. Mm. So uh, this is another danger of where we just overuse the word gospel and assume that people are able then to apply the good news of Jesus to their own particular struggle. Yeah, I think so. I'm hearing you saying is that the gospel is actually very rich. Um, and sometimes there can be particular aspects of the gospel that can be very helpful for some people in particular seasons of life. Yes. Um, you may do mention, for example, how, uh, for example, the promise of his presence, um, the secure by his death and resurrection, but also, for example, how we secure forgiveness for our sins. Um, but I think that the, the danger of doing that as well is that when you kind of reduce the gospel into just particular aspects, um, the broader danger seems to be that we are reducing gospel into something that's merely conceptual. Okay. It's just basically something, and our relation to it is just something for us to believe, to understand. Yes. But rather than actually that to realizing that there's actually a person actually there's actually uh, behind the gospel, yes. right? The gospel in the end is about what Jesus did and then what he wants to do to you. Right. It's about dealing with him, right? But instead of that, instead of dealing with Jesus, we deal with concepts, for example, right? 
So I think that it's actually really possible when we actually overuse and unexplained, we actually really obscure the direct agency of God himself, right? Um, and we risk actually reducing our faith to just simply a concept or even philosophy. So even the phrase like using the gospel to empower us to fight sin <clears throat> can can sound nice, but people may just think of gospel as just philosophy that we need to understand and learn before we can actually fight sin. Instead of actually thinking that, well, it's really what it's really saying is that we have been redeemed by Jesus yes. and we receive the spirit and Jesus is not interceding for us in heaven. Right. And so that actually gives us the confidence to fight sin and we need to really lean upon his work and trust in him. Right? It actually really directs our faith and mind in a much more concrete way, as you mentioned, to the person of Christ himself. That's so brilliant. Well, like another way to talk about how the gospel empowers us to, to fight sin is that we stop and we meditate on the fact that Jesus, mm. the one that we love and mm. care for now and who means everything to us, mm. literally suffered on a cross for our sins. And mm. so we see the outworking of sin. We see mm. its effect and what it's done to the one that we love so much. And right. and as we as we see the end of sin, death, um, it helps us to realize how what is leading us into tem temptation is leading us toward a similar death. So all of these are different strands of how the gospel speaks in a very concrete way to mm -hmm. our fight against sin. Exactly. And if we don't go there and we just simply say the gospel empowers us to fight sin, we may not actually be helping our people know how that practically works. But it, I, I really, really love what you're saying about how um, the good news is ultimately Jesus. Right. And it is. the gospel is to lead us to him mm -hmm. to find grace in our time of need. And simply throwing around buzzwords may not um, help. I guess one final thing I, I could think of before we transition is it could also become a temptation for us to measure orthodoxy Mm -hmm. um, in our sermons or prayers or confessions about how many times we use yes. kind of buzz language, That's gospel, right. mm -hmm. gospel-centered, etc., uh, as if, you know, like using a term is inherently good. And what we really want to encourage all of us to do is to try and mm -hmm. not simply use buzzwords as a marker or test, litmus test of some kind of orthodoxy, mm -hmm. but get to the heart of what the gospel is and let the riches of that ooze out in all of our all of our ministry. So having discussed some of these uh, dangers of overusing and under explaining, maybe we can uh, help our listeners think through some things we can do to try and avoid these dangers and help our ministry and therefore our um, those that we're ministering to grow in gospel clarity. I think what we are saying, first of all, is not that the gospel is actually a bad word now. Absolutely, absolutely um, not. But rather we're saying that the word gospel is something like a shorthand um, that we um, have inherited for the message of the good news of what Jesus has done mm. and all he's doing. Right. So um, maybe what you're saying is that um, more positively speaking is that we should really uh, err on the side of assuming that those who are listening to us are not always clear about what we mean when we actually use the word gospel. And right. so it would be more helpful if you actually would really spell out the exact, for example, aspect of gospel that we are trying to apply or speak to right now. So for example, instead of talking about how, how does gospel help you if you're struggling with self-righteousness, mm. right? But perhaps we can talk about how does the death and resurrection of Jesus and how he died a sinner's death, and that's the death that you deserve, help you to think about your self-righteousness. How would you apply that directly, for example? Right. So if you were to ask me that, I would immediately think, wow, um, if I think about Jesus dying for my sins, clearly my unrighteousness 
is not sufficient. It doesn't count mm-hmm. for anything. And so mm-hmm. that aspect of the gospel that humbles me mm-hmm. is uh, kind of brought to bear on my situation mm-hmm. because we're not just keeping it as a general word gospel, but we're talking about how Jesus died before my sins. So we're simply teasing it out, right? Yes, that's right. And that's actually the sin, the, the death that I deserve. And so I have no right to be self-righteous because if that's what I deserve, how can I actually even think that I'm righteous at all? Absolutely. So to rephrase what you said earlier, um, or to remind our listeners, because I thought that you said it so well, the answer is the gospel. But when we simply reduce the riches of the gospel to the shorthand phrase gospel without unpacking it, mm-hmm. the riches of it can get lost on our hearers. And so you're urging us to spell out those things very clearly. Maybe another way uh, that we can grow in this is that if we do need to use the word gospel frequently, we mm-hmm. can just explain up front to our hearers exactly what we're referring to. Mm. I think we, we're often surprised in many situations, maybe like counseling or community groups, even in services, mm. people aren't always on the same page. So even if you just kind of preface your remarks by saying, you know, whenever I refer to the gospel, let's remember this means, you know, Jesus right. um, who came and accomplished our salvation by dying in our place for our sins, rising again, etc., something like that. And just kind of being very explicit up front so that later on as you continue right. to refer to gospel, people are very clear um, in their minds. So that could be another way we could do this. Do you, do you have something else in mind for how we can grow in, in being able to press the reality of this into hearts? I think what you said is actually um, very helpful. I mean, um, like um, just reminding me that, for example, in many like um, teaching situations where you need to use the word repetitively, it's probably good to upfront define it. Um, that's why I heard from you. And I think that um, then adding to that, <clears throat> sometimes I find it helpful to think about the tenses of the gospel um, because um, there can also be a tendency when you use the gospel to simply refer to um, what Christ has done for us. But as I mentioned just now, if it's all about Jesus, it's not only what about what he has done uh, for us in the past tense, but this is what he'll be doing for us in the in the present tense and what he'll be doing in the future, Yes, for example. And um, in some sense, of course, there's a deep connection between, two, between all of them because it's the death and resurrection of Jesus that actually guaranteed uh, whatever comes in the future. But uh, it, for example, I think that um, the intercession of Christ for us before God right now is something mm-hmm. is is probably something that is actually underutilized. Yes, we don't think about that enough in in terms of how it may helps us in even our current situation, in our temptation. That Jesus right now praying for us, pleading with God, and that should actually give us power and motivation to fight sin, for example. Absolutely. Let alone giving us uh, a sense of confidence in our own prayer life that when we pray in His name, mm. we're, we're literally aware that He's before the Father interceding for us. It's so magnificent and wonderful mm-hmm. that sounds uh, that sounds great I think another thing we can try and do as we're trying to press the reality of the gospel in mm-hmm. to hearts and not just let it remain as a buzzword is really pray and ask the spirit to help us express mm. the truth of the gospel with a sense of joy and wonder and mm. um, urgency in the gospel mm. in fresh ways you know it's amazing when we consider how not only the diversity of ways that Paul talks about the gospel in the New Testament, Mm. Paul does not just use like one kind of five word sentence to sum up the gospel and then just repeat that in his epistles again and again. Mm. He actually phrases, reframes it in a number of different ways, bringing out different aspects Mm. um, according to the 
the situation of, of his hearers. So we can pray for the Spirit to help us. But another thing that we notice with Paul is just the sense of emotion and joy and wonder. I mean, how can we not be moved mm. when we read Paul at the end of Romans 11 mm. after having unpacked the glories who, who just mm. seems to be like erupting in praise? He, he, it seems like he, he just can't find the words in some ways to express his joy and glory and wonder at who God is and what he's done. And that's something that we can pray for, right? Because I guess for those of us who've been in ministry for so many years, right. we can actually end up growing mm. a little bit overly familiar with the fact, yeah, Jesus died for us. He rose again. He's mm. interceding. But actually ask God to recap, yeah, allow us to recapture a sense of the wonder um, mm. about that. And there's a sense of awe that we have there. Yeah, I think what you said, and just now is actually very helpful because I think that uh, one might uh, have the misconception of walking away from this episode, thinking that it's all about how we apply our minds, mm. um, to be careful with our words, um, to be precise, um, to be specific. And I think those are, I think all those things are true, but at the heart of it, the reason why we don't want to simply overuse and under explain the word gospel is because it ought to be the very spiritual reality that we live and mm. abide in, mm. right? Yeah, and that's and that and that's why Paul can really be like reveling in it and nearly breathless in talking about it, and um, and I think that that's actually some, that's a really good reminder even for myself that it's so easy to actually become um, over familiarized with the gospel in a way to think of it almost as a tool and a, as an object rather than actually that this is the good news of what God has done for me. Yeah, right. I think that's a very good reminder. Yeah, at the end of the day, what we don't want is our ministry to be, we've just learned techniques or better ways of doing ministry. Mm. Um, we do need to be aware of ways that we can hinder mm -hmm. the advance of the gospel, which is why we're talking about this. But the fountain of that has to be hearts that are deeply alive to God. Yeah. Well, Ed, uh, it's been really great today to talk about this. And hopefully our listeners today are encouraged that the gospel is like a multifaceted diamond. It is a rich resource that can be summed up, yes, in a very simple way, but yet has riches that we will mine for the end of our days. And skillful ministers and pastors and those in ministry are those who learn how to apply the different facets and aspects in unique and nuanced ways into the hearts of our listeners. And so we don't want something that has become so precious <laughs> to us, the gospel, to actually be hindered in its effectiveness because mm. we just throw around a buzzword expecting mm. everyone to know. Um, do you have any final encouragements for our listeners today? Well, my mind just um, harkens back to the, to the title, From Jargon to Reality. And I'm just really reminded again that how Indeed, we must actually move beyond just simply the jargon of using the word gospel to the reality of what the gospel brings for us, which is the knowledge of God himself and the one he sent, Jesus Christ. And that will become the fountain of our living faith. That was, that's, that's what I'll be reminded of. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me today. To all our listeners, thanks for being with us as well. And do join us in two weeks' time as we get back together again. See you.